0: Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. So the past few weeks, we've been celebrating Christmas. Uh, We refuse to allow Christmas to be just one day. We've been celebrating Christmas into the new year, along with much of the global church across uh, space and time. Uh, After four weeks of waiting on Jesus during Advent, we took about two weeks to celebrate Jesus and his first coming in the incarnation during Christmas. And so this Sunday with Advent and Christmas behind us, Re encounter what has been called epiphany. You've heard this word before and probably even used it. I, I'll tell my wife, I had an epiphany while going on a walk today. Uh, that means something that was foggy became clear. Uh, it means that something that was hiding jumped into full view. Uh, uh, it means that epiphany uh, is a manifestation. It's a manifestation. And on this Sunday, much of the church across the globe celebrate the epiphany of all epiphanies. When the real Jesus came into view 2000 years ago and over the centuries, the church has looked at three passages that uniquely reveal who Jesus is and what Jesus is about the magi. This reveals that Jesus came to draw all nations, all ethnicities to himself. He did not come just for Israel, but he came for the nations. And Aaron walked us through that passage last week. The wedding of Cana. John says that this is the first sign that reveals, uh, reveals Jesus' glory. It was a manifestation, it was an epiphany about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And the third passage is the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist reveals something unique about Jesus. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I'll read the text from Mark, starting in verse nine, and you can follow along and then we'll pray. This is God's word. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Lord, would you speak for your servants are listening this morning. Holy Spirit, we need your empowering presence to open the eyes of our hearts so that we would see Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just a couple days into the new year, I ran into someone I hadn't seen in a while. And after we recognized each other through our face masks, uh, I made the cliche remark that I have been making often, well, I'm sure glad 2020 is over. And he looked at me through his face mask and said, what makes you think, 2021 is going to be any better than 2020. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks (laughs) uh, because he made a very solid point. And as it turns out, a very prophetic point after five days, many of us are already looking forward to 2021, uh, 2022. Many fear that Wednesday's violence was not an epilogue, but a prologue. And on top of that, COVID-19. This time of year in January, I think it's natural that we all get optimistic and rightfully so. It's a fresh start. It's a universal marker for us to try new things, to hope for better things. But this is no guarantee. In fact, in light of last week and the challenge that is before us, I would argue that such thinking is naive. What I would call shallow optimism. See, Christians are unique. We're not optimistic, but neither are we pessimistic. We're not optimistic because we have a healthy respect for the doctrine of sin. But we're not pessimistic because we have a healthy respect for the doctrine of redemption. And so it puts us in a weird spot with these two doctrines in hand. We alone can say this world is jacked up beyond human repair. And in the same breath, say this world stands to be repaired and redeemed by Jesus. It's not a lost cause. So this means we're not optimists, but it also means we're not pessimists. Uh, We are like Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Probably a good book to read these days. Who says two things. He says that this fallen world is is Hebrew word Hebel. Hebel, that's the Hebrew word for vapor or smoke or fog. Over and over and over again, you see this refrain in Ecclesiastes. Everything is vapor. If you have an NIV, it says everything is meaningless. That word meaningless uh, is too narrow. Uh, the word there is vapor. It's a, it's a poetic image. What he's saying is that the fallen world is vaporous, vaporous. We can't see it clearly uh, like we want to. The fallen world is vaporous. We can't control it. It's like this. Uh, As much as we want to control the world, we can't control it or depend on it. We can't lean on it. We'll fall right through it. It's vaporous. This fallen world, uh, we can't press pause with it. We can't hoard it. We can't hold it in our hands forever. That's the nature of the broken world we live in. It's vapor. But he also says that within this vaporous world, there are solid gifts, things like food and drink, friendship and intimacy. And most solid of all, and it comes at the very end of the book, is the final and future day of judgment and restoration. When when the Lord comes... To make all things new. And when all injustices will be dealt with in a way that satisfies. The most solid thing of all in this life of vapor. Is that God is not done. And he is not through. With his redemption. So these two things. Hebel and hope. Make us unique. Hebel keeps us from shallow optimism. 2021 is going to be great. But hope keeps us from despair which many of you I know are close to right this very moment. What this means is that we cannot and we must not hang our hopes on 2021. We can't settle for that. It won't sustain us. We need something solid. We need an epiphany. We need God to manifest or to reveal something so real, so tangible, so hopeful that we can keep putting one step in front of the other. The Apostle Paul says. To Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9. That God saved us. And called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works. But because of his own purpose. And grace. Which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Before the ages began. And which now has been. Manifested. There's the word epiphany, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So this manifestation of Jesus, this epiphany of Jesus, this revealing of Jesus is what we need today. The vapor of this world, the the brokenness and the evil of this world was manifested in unique ways and will continue to be manifested in unique ways in this coming year. And without a counter manifestation, we will throw in the towel. The baptism of Jesus, I believe, is a counter manifestation. It's the epiphany of that we need because it reveals it manifests two things about Jesus that I believe could carry us through the next day the next week the next month and yes the next year perhaps our whole lives and it's these two things identification and representation so, first, Jesus chose in his baptism to live among you. Identification. Now, there's a puzzle right away to solve in the Gospel of Mark. Why does Jesus get baptized by John the Baptist? John's baptism, as you may know, is all about repentance, it's all about sin and repentance. But Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Jesus is without sin. So right away, we have a puzzle. What gives? The answer is that Jesus submitted to baptism in order to identify with sinful humanity. He says to them, and he says to us today, I came to be among you, to identify with you. Jesus is without sin. The scriptures are clear. But... He is not distant. He is not aloof. He is fully present, even as he is with that sin. He made the River Jordan as Almighty God, and yet he stands in the River Jordan with sinners as Savior. I've always loved... How baseball managers wear the same uniform of the team that they manage because they stand apart from the team, obviously, as their manager, but they stand with them symbolically by their clothing. Soccer is probably my favorite sport, uh, but their coaches normally wear Armani suits, and so they symbolically separate themselves. Uh, From their players, but not so in baseball. Uh, There is an identification that happens there. See, Jesus has every right to keep his distance from us, but instead he draws near to us. His baptism reveals that Jesus is glad to come to you exactly as you are in your failure, in your fear, in your unbelief, in your sin. Jesus is glad to stand next to you in those places. This year, as you look ahead, know that every single moment, every single day, every single minute, Jesus will stand with you. And when you sin and when you cry out for forgiveness, when you are at the end of your rope, know that Jesus is more reliably present in that very moment than if you just pretend to be okay. In that moment, his shins and his knees are wet with the waters of Jordan, just like you. And you can rely on his presence this broken year. Identification. But it also, the baptism of Jesus reveals something. uh, It's an epiphany about Jesus that he not only lives to identify with you, but he came to represent you. In other words, Jesus not only wants to be with you, he wants to represent you to His Father in Heaven. He wants His life and His death to stand in place of your life and your death. He represents you. And He represents you in three ways. He represents you with His life. With His life. So Matthew 3.15 tells us that Jesus submitted to John's baptism to fulfill all righteousness. What that means is that Jesus, the righteous one, Obeys for you, the unrighteous one. He follows God's will on your behalf for you. Or as one writer puts it, Jesus came to live in the world wholeheartedly devoted to God. I'll say that again. Jesus came into the world to live wholeheartedly devoted to God. Now, let's be honest. Do we live wholeheartedly in devotion to God? Not even on my best day. Is that true? But Jesus came to do that on my behalf. His wholehearted devotion is credited to my account. He represents you with his life. And he represents you with his death. In fact, in this passage, this baptism, there are many hints That this passage points to and is connected to. And there's a line drawn from the baptism of Jesus to the crucifixion of Jesus. Where Jesus bears the penalty for our sin. And defeats sin and injustice once and for all. The first hint is the word torn open. It says in our text that immediately the heavens opened. Or they were torn open. Literally. In the Greek, they were torn open. This is the same word that is used to describe later on in the gospel. uh, The temple curtain that was torn when Jesus was on the cross, accomplishing his work. The second hint is that baptism itself. All throughout the Bible, God uses water as judgment and salvation. Think about Noah in the flood. The same waters that are judgment for some are salvation for others. The Red Sea, think about that. The same waters that are judgment for some are salvation for others. This is the thing in the scriptures. And so when Jesus enters the waters of judgment here and then rises out in victory, uh, we should see a preview of his work on the cross. He undergoes the judgment waters so we don't have to. He undergoes the judgment waters so that he is stands victorious over them. This is our hope against all injustice. And then he represents you, not just by his life, his death, but also by the spirit. When you trust in Jesus, we are promised the Holy Spirit. God is father, son, and Holy Spirit. And the spirit of God unites us to the person of Jesus. It's clear in scripture so that all that is true of Jesus is true of his people not because of what we have done but because Jesus represents us i was trying to teach this to my boys actually recently and the way i did it is with a backward hug so if this was my lord my one of my boys here i would hug them backwards like this and i would hug them and, and it would be a it would be a nice firm backward hug as i called it and i said it's as if jesus is holding you like this. He's grabbing you in a backward hug. He's holding you behind him saying, this one is with me. All that is mine is his. Don't you see, when God says to Jesus in this baptism, you are my beloved, that applies to you. When God the Father says to Jesus, I am pleased with you, that applies to you. If your trust is in Jesus, if you are a repentant, person who knows their need is your trust in Jesus. Are you a repentant person? What is holding you back? Don't you want to hear these words from God himself? You are my beloved and I am well pleased with you. Maybe you think you need to clean up your act first or do some things for God first. But that would be a mistake. See, what is amazing is that these affirmations happen before Jesus does the mission that the Father sent him on. And that Jesus, with the Father, agreed gladly to do. You would expect these affirmations from God the Father to happen after Jesus' ministry. After the cross. But no, before Mark is purposeful and puts it right at the beginning of the gospel. This could change your life forever if you let it. Because Jesus represents you, not only identifies with you, but represents you. You already have the forever love of God. You are his beloved. He's pleased with you. Before you do anything heroic for Jesus, before you screw up, it's a settled love because it's in Christ. And so as you look forward to 2021, you need to hear these words. As you try to process all that's happening in this world, and in this world. You need to hear these words. You are my beloved. Whatever happens this year, whatever victories or failures may come, whatever proud moments or embarrassing moments may come, whatever traumatic moments or healing moments may come, just know you are his beloved. The baptism of Jesus means that Jesus is with us. And he represents us. And I want this to anchor us this year. Let's pray. Lord, we do give you our worship. And we do repent of our false hopes and our idolatries. And we return to you. Lord, it is striking to me. That you identify with repentant believers. Believers who are calling out their need and their sin. And Lord, what a Sunday to do that. To cry out our need and to own our sin. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. As you stand in the waters of the Jordan with us. Even as you stood in our place on the cross. We now come to you with empty hands of faith. Crying out for your love and your mercy. And we are grateful that you say beloved. Before we could do anything. To pretend we could prove Ourselves to pretend that we could earn that statement. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts so that we could cry, Abba, Father, despite all of our struggles this morning. Would the epiphany of Jesus be the only thing we look to right now? And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.